before I get into the word, I do want to address you, but then I'm going to read just um, about three verses of scripture, four verses in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20, if you want to turn there. But I want to start by saying, last week, if you didn't get to be here, we honored our graduates. And I preached a message to you that God has a plan. And last week, another young man rededicated his life to Jesus right here in this altar, and it was, it was a good day. It was a good day. And then later that afternoon and that evening, news began to spread how that tragedy had once again struck our community. And this time it had taken a young minister in our community. And I wouldn't be honest with you if I tried to tell you anything different than the heavy heart that I've had all week. You know, it's often during the most trying times in our lives when nothing around us seems to make sense. That's when our faith meets its deepest challenge. And that's when every single one of us must individually decide, will our faith remain steadfast in spite of what we're going through or in spite of what we see? Or will our faith be compromised and will we allow our own thoughts and our own minds and our own instincts to take over? And will we try to take control instead of reminding ourselves that He is in control? The Scriptures remind us of the heartache that often results when we decide to take things into our own hands. Has anybody besides me ever took something into your own hands and messed it up? I want you to think about for an example, and I'm about to get into the Scripture, but just I want to remind you of two examples before we do. Abraham attempted to protect his own life. If you go back and read in Genesis chapter 20, he was attempting to protect his own life by telling a foreign king that his wife Sarah was actually his sister. And if you don't know that story, as a result, Sarah was taken into the king's harem, his wife, and Abraham was left powerlessly outside the gate, wringing his hands in regret over the terrible mistake that he had made. Another example was Saul, who was also focused on his own preservation that he chose to disobey God's word for fear of the people. We read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 24. And as a result, the kingdom was taken from him. And at the end of his life, Saul ended up consulting with a witch and ultimately committing suicide. You and I must be careful not to fall into human reasoning in order to preserve ourselves. Let me say that again. You and I must be very careful not to fall into human reasoning in order to preserve ourselves. Because that's what gets us in trouble and it renders us powerless against the enemy. I want to look at one more example in the life of David. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20, I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible translation this morning, verses 35 through 38. The word said, In the morning, Jonathan went out to the countryside for the appointed meeting with David. A young servant was with him. He, being Jonathan, said to the servant, Run and find the arrows I'm shooting. As the servant ran, Jonathan shot an arrow beyond him. He came to the location of the arrow that Jonathan had shot, but Jonathan called to him and said, The arrow is beyond you. 
isn't it? Then Jonathan called to him, hurry up and don't stop. Look at somebody next to you this morning and say, don't stop. Jonathan's servant picked up the arrow and returned to his master. If you will pray with me one more time this morning, I want to preach a message the Lord has laid on my heart this week that I've simply titled, When It's Beyond You. When It's Beyond You. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you for these precious people today. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be in your house and to worship you. We thank you for your word, Lord, that will always give us comfort and strength and help in the time of need. So I pray, Lord, that for the next few moments you would remove every hindrance that would distract us from hearing and receiving what you would speak to us today. I pray that you would anoint every ear to hear, every heart to receive your word. I pray, Lord, today that you would anoint my lips of clay, that I would not even speak my own words today, but I would speak your word, and that your word would come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit, thereby touching hearts and changing lives. We give you the glory the honor and the praise for what you're going to do in and through your word today in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, Ben. I want you to consider for a moment David's journey, if you know much about David, leading up to this difficult point in his life. It must have seemed like just an ordinary day as David was out tending to his father's sheep. He was out in the field. And all of a sudden, he was called inside to meet with the prophet Samuel, who took a vial of oil, and he anointed David to be the next king of Israel. If you've been in Sunday school in your life very much, you've heard that story. Before taking the throne, David began to, he won some marvelous victories in secret, followed by an incredible victory in public that everybody also probably knows about, a victory that he won against a giant by the name of Goliath. And David's heart must have burned within him as he walked in an anointing that produced such faith and such boldness in his life. And shortly after, Saul took David in to be his attendant. And David began to worship the Lord with songs that drove the darkness out of Saul's life. I want to pause right there this morning and say, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the worship that we are blessed with here because anointed worship will always drive the darkness out of our lives. Can I get a witness this morning? So team, thank you. Thank you for what you do. David continued, though, to fight the battles of the Lord, all the while experiencing the supernatural power of God. And it seemed like there was no enemy that could stand against him. He had a supernatural power of God. And eventually, however, Saul's heart, if you know much about the story, Saul's heart turned against David for no apparent reason other than envy. And it brings us to this passage that I read to you this morning out of 1 Samuel. Saul's son, Jonathan, is the one that says to David, I'm going to talk to my father. I want you to hide out in the field, and I'll come back and throw an arrow. If I say to the young boy that's with me, the arrow is beyond you, that means that you must flee because harm is determined against you. Now, here's how I see this situation. God was trying to speak to David, but David was only 
He was doing what I get accused of at home a lot. He was partially listening. Are there any men in the house this morning that will testify with me? Anybody else get accused of that? Right? Any of you women just want to go ahead and shout and praise the Lord and say amen, that's right? My wife's having a time in the car driving home while she's listening probably. But God was trying to speak to David and David was only partially, partially listening. And the Lord was telling him, just like I preached last week, you can kind of see where the Lord just kind of walked me through this week. But the Lord was telling David, I have a plan for your life that will fulfill the desires that I've placed in your heart. There's this transition that is coming from a system that failed under Saul's leadership to something that will usher in a season of renewal in Israel, and you are going to lead it. That's what the Lord was telling David. You're going to lead that. But until that day comes, I'm going to take you through some dark places. You've got to follow me through those mountains and those valleys and even though there will be times you will not be able to understand them fully. And this is what I believe to be the deeper meaning behind the phrase, the arrow is beyond you. It's a sign and a reminder from God that His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are are higher than our thoughts. And we read in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and I didn't give them this passage, but all that the Lord asks is that we follow Him regardless of whether or not we understand what may lie just ahead of us. All the Lord asks is that we follow Him. But nevertheless, there's something inside all of us, if we're being honest, that wants to be able to figure everything out, Right? I got to know what's going on. We like we 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 want this virtual roadmap that tells us where we'll be five years from now, what our life is going to look like five years from now. We don't necessarily like God throwing an arrow over our head somewhere in the field and saying it's beyond you. You didn't see this one coming, and you're not exactly sure where it went. So I'm telling you this. Thing is beyond you. Has anybody ever faced some things in your life that were beyond you? But what the Lord was saying is don't question it. Let me say that again this morning. Don't question it. Just obey it. Just obey what I'm telling you to do. What did he tell him to do? Don't stop. Don't give up. David he, he headed out according to the word that was given him by the Lord, but somewhere along the way after he headed out, he gave in, like we all do many times, to his own human reasoning. 1 Samuel chapter 27 and verse 1, we read about David fleeing to Ziklag. David said to himself, David said to himself, one of these days I'll be swept away by Saul. Now listen, God never told him that. He was listening to his own reasoning. I would to God that the people of God would discern the difference in the voices in their head. Too many times we listen to the voice of the enemy. He convinces us. He accuses us. Can I tell you if the voice in your head is accusing you, it is not a voice of God. The voice of God will never accuse you. 
The voice of God will never tell you you're worthless. The voice of God will never tell you there is no hope. Because as long as there's breath in your body and God is on the throne, there is always hope. But David said to himself, like we all do many times, one of these days I'm going to be swept away by Saul. There's nothing better for me than to escape immediately to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me everywhere in Israel and I'll escape from him. And so we see David beginning to go off track when he, just as Abraham and Saul did before that I mentioned, started to focus on his own preservation. This sent David on a very difficult and strenuous journey to the land of the Philistines. Can I tell you sometimes when we follow our own reasoning, it becomes a very difficult and strenuous journey. And at one time in his life, David was on the other side of the valley facing the Philistines. But now he was standing among the enemies, the very enemies of God. And I'm sure that at that point he could not escape the feelings of regret that were rising in his heart. What am I doing? How on earth did I get here? Has anybody ever been in a situation and said to yourself or even to the Lord, how on earth did I get here? And that's exactly what happens when we, as individual members of the body of Christ, begin to focus on ourselves. When all of the focus becomes inward instead of outward on God. And we focus on, see it's going to be easy to preach to you today because y'all are not, you might have been the ones that would have been out on the lake today had it been weather to be on the lake. I got up this morning and I said to myself, I thought about posting it, but I didn't. But I said to myself, average church member, quote, this looks like a great weekend to just start my holiday early and be on the lake. And then God, quote, how you like the rain, big boy? When our focus becomes on ourselves... So this is why I said you'll be the easy crowd to preach to because you're here, unless you wouldn't have been here because it's raining. But when we focus on our careers, when we focus on how to prosper, there's nothing wrong with prospering. Paul said, I would that you'd be in good health and prosper even as your souls prosper. That's what he said. How to have a better future. Whenever we have an inward focus, it leads us to a place where we are neither, listen to me, neither furthering the cause of God nor opposing the advance of the enemy. Did you hear that? When we're focused on ourselves, we end up in a place where we're not doing anything to help the kingdom of God and we're not doing anything to hurt the kingdom of darkness. And sadly, that largely describes the church age that we are currently living in, particularly in America. Just a few weeks ago, we had the Koreans with us here, prayer with the Koreans, and some people was like, well, that was weird. What was that about? But you know, it's really not weird. You know why they came to pray? Many years ago, Billy Graham took the gospel of Jesus Christ to South Korea, and they accredit Billy Graham for being the reason that Christianity is so strong in South Korea today. But the, the, the tides have turned and the tables have turned and now they look at America from South Korea and they're like, oh boy, they're in bad shape. They've left the God of their ancestors. They've left the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and they were burdened 
to come over here and bring 40-some prayer teams from one church and disperse throughout the United States and pray for revival in America. And what I said to you just a minute ago largely describes the church age that we live in, particularly in America. Did you know that even though roughly 25% of the population in this country consider themselves to be evangelical Christians, realistically, we are not greatly advancing the cause of God and we're certainly not opposing the advance of the enemy in our generation. Islam is still the fastest growing religion. Did you know that? We've come to a place of indecision and powerlessness. That's two words I want you to focus on this morning. Indecision and powerlessness. And we are losing, we're seeing souls saved. Thank God for the number of souls that we've seen saved and baptized here. It just since the first of this year, uh, 30-some people have accepted Jesus. I think we ought to praise God for that. But by and large, in this country, we are losing our children. And we're losing our families. And we're losing the concept of what is right and what is wrong. Not just in the country, here it goes, but in the very house of God. We're losing the concept of what is right and what is wrong. But can I tell you that you and I still have a reason to be encouraged. I said we still have a reason to be encouraged. There is always a mercy moment. Is anybody thankful for mercy in the house this morning? There's always a mercy moment. And David left, he had, yes, he had left his wholehearted seeking of God. He abandoned a life of winning victories and giving glory to God. But however, in this place of indecision and powerlessness where he ended up, something significant happened in his life. And if you can see this, I believe it will help you understand what we're facing as a church in a backsliding nation. 1 Samuel chapter 29, verses 3 through 5. Then the Philistine commanders asked, what are these Hebrews doing here? Achish answered the Philistine commanders, that is David, servant of King Saul of Israel. He has been with me a considerable period of time. From the day he defected until today, I found no fault in him. Can I just stop right there and say, isn't it a tragic thing when that old lying, accusing devil can't even get our enemies to speak bad of us? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Then the Philistine commanders, however, were enraged with Achish and told him, send that man back and let him return to the place you assigned him. He must not go down with us into battle only to become our adversary during the battle. What better way could he uh, ingratiate himself with his master than with the heads of our men? Isn't this the David they sing about during their dances? Saul killed thousands, but David his ten thousands. This was the mercy moment in David's life. And you and I have reached a similar moment in our generation. A point when God causes the enemies of his ways to reject the people of God. That's what happens. But can I tell you, it's potentially the best thing that can happen to the church in the time that we're living in. If the world's agreeing with us, we ain't doing something right. That wasn't popular. If the world by and large is agreeing with us, we're not doing something right. See, for far too long, we have ridden with the enemy's armies. 
We have embraced the strategies of a fallen society and we have allowed corporate, secular thinking to dominate the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the church is a business, but we cannot run it like a business. Can I get an amen? We have filled stadiums. This isn't popular either. We filled stadiums and arenas with people who want to know much that they are loved by God, but yet they have no desire to live any differently from the people of this world, and we've called it church. And just as Achish spoke well of David, for decades society could have rightly testified of Christians, I find no fault with these people. They've walked with us. Their value system is the same as ours. Talking about the church and the world. They do what we do. They go where we go. Boy, y'all are quiet. And they're even standing on the same side of this battle that we're standing on right now. However, we are living in a moment when the mercy of God is going to cause society to spit the true church of Jesus Christ out of its mouth. I thank God. You may not like this. My daughter's not here this morning. She gets a nervous wreck sometimes when I get on certain topics. She's afraid I'm going to hurt somebody or offend somebody. But listen, I thank God, and she does it out of the right spirit. She, she wants the truth. But we all know sometimes we get uneasy when the truth is being declared, don't we? Because the world is uneasy. Wait a minute, Pastor. Don't, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to say that. Why not? Why not? If it's the truth of God, why not say it? Why let it go unsaid and let people think that they're okay on their way to hell? Why not say it and cause them to question, hey, wait a minute. And I thank God that our society is finally declaring away with Jesus. I'm glad that they're saying, you can't say his name. I'm glad they're saying, away with Christians, away with churches. I, I'm glad they're accusing us and saying, away with tax-exempt status. They're like any other business. The world's saying, away with all of it. Finally, God's people are being forced out of the enemy's territory, but we never should have been hanging out there to start with. That's exactly what happened here with David. David was getting forced out of the enemy's territory. The church has compromised so much. I said the church has compromised so much. And it's gone on for so long that we've come to the place that we either take a stand and be rejected or we deliberately go against everything that we know this book says to be true. Here it goes. When it comes to abortion, we must choose life. There is no other alternative. When it comes to marriage, we must stand on God's word that declares that a man shall leave his mother and a woman shall leave her home. A man and a woman. Do I need to get into anatomy? There is no other alternative. 
There is no other option. If that's what God's Word says, that's what God's Word meant. And when it comes to what is being defined by the Word of God, we must go by God's definition. There is no other alternative. For all of you that were nervous, you can breathe now. That part's over. So rejected by the Philistines, David and the other Israelites who were with him returned home to Ziklag only to find that the Amalekites had burned everything to the ground and taken captive all of their women and children. And when David saw how much he had surrendered to the enemy, in his heart he must have initially thought, look what I have done. I am supposed to be leading these men, but I have allowed their families to be brought into captivity. Must have been what David was thinking. Now, for those of you that are not, first of all, if you're saved and born again, all of us should be, to some degree, a minister. It's all of our obligation to carry and to spread the gospel. But I want to pause right here because we have a lot of people in this church in the ministry. And I want to pause right here and say, I'm sure David was saying, look what I've done. I'm supposed to be leading these men, but I've allowed their families to be brought into captivity. Can I tell you that sometimes, and there's nothing we can do about it, ministry is heavy. It's heavy. It's not fun. Sometimes. Sometimes it stinks. Can I be real this morning? Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes your heart will ache right out of you. But I want to talk to some people this morning that have a calling from God on their life, whatever it may be. Don't forget the original passage of Scripture that I read this morning. When it gets heavy, don't stop. Don't quit. Don't give up and don't give in and don't listen to the enemy's plan. Discern the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. And if you have to remove yourself for a moment and get somewhere by yourself, take a break and chill out, tell somebody else, hey, guess what? You got it this weekend. If I ever get to the point that I need to, I will. Did you hear me? Think about what David was thinking at this moment in time. Think about what, and I'm not just talking about myself. Please understand that. But think about the ministers and the pastors that you know. Can I just implore you to do one thing? No, two things. I want you to do two things. Number one, let them be human. And number two, pray for them instead of talking about them. And David must have been thinking, it's my fault. What have I done? Nevertheless, David did not allow himself to be overcome with discouragement and shame. That's why I chose this story this morning. Instead, he did something, and I'm almost done, that ultimately restored his strength. He turned back to prayer and seeking God. If we miss it, nine times out of ten, 
That's where we miss it. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. You know what the ephod was? The ephod was the garment of prayer for seeking God. That's what it was. That's what the ephod was. It was a garment of prayer. And Abiathar, or Abiathar, however you want to say that, both ways, brought the ephod to David. And David must have suddenly remembered the moment when he was singled out among his brothers to become the king over Israel. Or maybe he recalled when the bear and the lion came into the flock and the Spirit of God, if you know that story, came upon him and endued him with supernatural strength. Or maybe he remembered the indignation that was rising within his heart as God's name was being defied and he fearlessly ran toward that giant Goliath to fight him. So David turns to Abiathar and he said, bring me the ephod. Bring me the garment of prayer. Bring me that thing that used to govern my life. And as David began to pray again, God began to speak. Verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. Watch this. For you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. And at the time, David had 600 men with him, but 200 of them were so weak they couldn't even cross over the brook to enter the battle. However, that did not even matter to David how great the odds were against them because David was back in the place of knowing where his source of strength came from. Did you hear what I said? He knew where his source of strength came from. He finally acknowledged what he should have understood from the beginning when he heard that, David, the arrow is beyond you. This is beyond you. The leading of God was not something that he could reason in his mind. And even in the face of what looked like personal danger, if David would have simply followed the Lord rather than taking things into his own hands, God would have continued to guide him one step at a time. And this is what we must do in our generation. We need to get back to the source of our strength. I had two or three agree with me. We need to get back to the source of our strength. We call a special service or a night of worship. People attend by the droves. You call a prayer meeting... And it's scarce. I said we need to get back to our source of strength. Back to the prayer closet. Does anybody have one at home? Or a place that you pray with God. The first thing that happens when you and I begin to pray is that a promise comes back into our hearts. One that is deeper and farther than anything we could ever hope to take possession of in our own natural ability. The Lord will take us through places that we cannot go through on our own. Places that we got to let go of what we think it is that's going to preserve us and simply follow where God leads. And as David and his men approached the Amalekite armies, I want you to listen how they found them. Verse 16. And when he had brought him down, they were there they were spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And similarly, you and I are living in a time when the enemies of God are rejoicing. The enemies of God are drinking and dancing in their supposed triumph. We have 
come into the sanctuaries, and this is the way I felt about it this week. I'm just, if I'm just being transparent and honest with you. We'd come into the ranks of the ministry. We'd come into the church. And we've taken the house of God into our possession. We have tripped up the people of God. And they'll never be able to rebound. And they'll never be able to survive. But however, I want you to notice in the prayer closet, supernatural strength was granted to David. And the scripture tells us in verse 17, Then David attacked them from the twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. Amazing, isn't it? Although David and his men were already weary upon entering that battle. And perhaps tens of thousands of warriors. God gave them strength to pursue and persevere. And it is that incredible ability and strength that God still grants to his people. When all of hell seems like it has the upper hand. Only God can do that. I said only God can do that. See, the Amalekites thought they had swallowed the testimony of God. Which might have been the case if one man had not chosen to go back to the prayer closet. Verse 19. And nothing of theirs was lacking. Neither small nor great. Sons or daughters. Spoils or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Let me say that again. David recovered all. And I believe that we find the same thing to be true for us today when we go back to a place of prayer. All is never lost. I said all is never lost. Did you hear me? No matter what the devil is telling us, No matter what the news report is saying, no matter what we see with our natural eyes, all is not lost. That's why it's imperative now for you and I to forsake our own human reasoning and get back in the prayer closet where God can speak to us. I've been there this week. They'll come to the music this morning. I've been there this week. But I also, and I debated about whether or not to share this, but I want to share this with you. Because it's the greatest testimony that I know to share. When it seems like all of hell has tripped up the church and tripped up the people of God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? 
when everybody finds their self shaking their head and saying we didn't understand this we didn't see this coming how did this happen and I'm going to try not to get real emotional but if you didn't know I'll tell you Joshua Harp was two years older than Abby I watched him grow up working at Hometown Bank with his mama. And last Sunday afternoon, when I got the word of what had happened, I had to reach out to somebody. I wasn't going to reach out to Ginger. I knew that they were, I had seen on Facebook, they may not even be home. They were traveling. I wasn't going to reach out to Pastor Allen, although he and I had some conversations this week. Because I thought, if this was me, I wouldn't want somebody messaging me and saying, is it true? It would be a full-time job for me to try to wrap my mind around it. So I had to reach out to somebody else and I said, please tell me what I'm hearing is not true. It was my former boss. We used to kind of do the deaths together at the bank, so to speak. He said, I was just getting ready to text you and see if you were free and finished up for the day you to help me with this one. So this week I talked with several ministry members. See, all of those people, they're all my personal friends. I thank God for, first of all, can I say, can I say first of all, but denominations mean absolutely nothing in the kingdom of God. Nothing. They're my personal friends and I pray for them and they pray for me. When we first planted Freedom Point, some of the staff of Emmanuel showed up at the, at the other building one day and anointed and prayed over me. I thought, my Lord, I'm pastoring Pentecostal people. I ain't even done that yet. So I had some conversations this week. God every bit of this is beyond us it's beyond us but then I read this story and I saw what David did and I went back into the Psalms and read where he wrote when my heart is overwhelmed Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And he went back to a place of prayer. And if you'll stand with me all over the room this morning. And so Thursday, yes, I was there. But then Friday... I saw that his mama place of prayer I want to read to you what she posted after laying her 24 year old baby boy who was a minister of the gospel to rest Psalm 61 verses 1 and 2 she wrote God our refuge 
God, hear my cry. Pay attention to my prayer. I call to you from the ends of the earth when my heart is without strength. Our family just wanted to attempt to say the most sincere, heartfelt thank you to each of you. So many of you have said that you had no words and that you didn't know what to say to us. We understand that completely. Please know that your countless acts of love from our family, church, friends, co-workers, and this incredible community spoke louder than the words you could not find to say. We are absolutely overwhelmed by your selfless acts of love. They have carried us through this. And those of you that could find words, words of encouragement, or words of strength, words of love and shared scriptures and stories with us, know that they were a soothing balm on the open wounds of our shattered hearts. We will never, never get over this most heart-wrenching moment. But with the strength and faithfulness from our Lord God Almighty and the overwhelming love from each of you, we will get through it one day at a time. We are so incredibly and abundantly blessed by each and every one of you. Please know that. We know that Joshua's legacy and his passion of serving others and sharing the love of Christ will live on. And that his work here on earth will continue to impact lives for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ for many years to come. There is absolutely nothing you could do that would honor his memory more than for each of you to please attend a church of your choice. And if you do not have a church, know that Emmanuel Baptist Church would love to have you and will welcome you with the warmest of hearts. And please feel free to reach out to me or Richard, that's his daddy, and know, listen at this, today, know that we will be waiting at the front doors of the church for you and we will save you a seat with us. Nothing would give us more pleasure in this painful season than that. You know the only place that comes from? A closet of prayer. Knowing where our help and our strength comes from. So it's my prayer this morning that what the enemy thought he would use to hinder and to leave a scar and a mark against the body of Christ in this Tri-County community will be turned around. What he meant for evil will be turned around and used against him for good. And that not only that, I pray that God would open a door that those that are struggling, we would have the discernment that we could see them in their struggles and not overlook them and pull them in to a place of prayer. Because God is the only one. God is the only one. So maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're struggling with every head bowed and every eye closed. I pray that today God would let people God help us that we would move past the place in church of giving a care I could have even said it differently and the flesh in me wants to I could care less what people think about me 
as long as I can just get to the feet of Jesus and get the help and the hope that I need. So I prayed that this morning when I opened this altar that many people could move past the place of saying, I can't go up there. If I go up there, people will know that I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. Can I tell you this morning, nobody cares what you're struggling with. All we care about is getting you to the feet of Jesus because it's there that you'll find the hope and the help and the strength that you need. We care about what you're struggling with, but we don't think any less of you because you admit that you're struggling with it. So maybe there's somebody here today that you've been listening to the thoughts of the enemy. He's been talking to your mind. He's been telling you that you're worthless. He's been telling you that you should just give up and not go on. If that's you this morning, I want to ask you, would you right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed and every believer in this room earnestly praying, would you right now step out from where you are and make your way to this altar this morning? I promise you, I said, I promise you, thank you. Yes, thank you. They're moving. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room this morning. Oh, church, pray. Thank you. Yes. Prayer warriors, will you please find somebody and pray with them all over this room right now? Come on, step out from where you are. There's hope and help for you in this altar today. I said there's hope and help for you in this altar today. Don't sit back there and think somebody's going to know it's me. Don't worry about it. They know it's you. Just get to the feet of Jesus this morning. Thank you. All over this room. Come on, keep coming. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All over this room. Don't let the enemy talk you out of coming. They're still coming all over this room this morning. There's hope and help in, in, in this altar today. There's the hope and the help that you need. Don't sit back there and go home on it today. I want to ask prayer warriors, council members, staff members, find somebody in this altar and pray with them today. Anybody else that feels led to pray with somebody? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Church, pray. God's doing something this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now I want to ask you, if you're seated in this room today, maybe you're facing a situation in this life that seems like it's just beyond you. It's just beyond you. bring it to Jesus if you'll just follow him this morning God's going to help you through it if he brought you to it he will bring you through it so I'm going to ask you if you're facing something in this life today it seems like it's beyond you would you step out from where you are right now make your way to this altar yes there's st- I see him stepping out all over this room if it's beyond you step out come on find a place in this altar and pray this morning out to every single born again believer in this room today.
are serious about saying, God, I want to see you take what the enemy meant for evil and work it for your good in the body of Christ. If you're serious about saying, God, give me discernment so that I can see people in their struggles and I can help carry them to the feet of Jesus, I want to ask you, if you will, to step out from where you're seated all over this room flood this altar this morning. Find a place to pray. And if you're in here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, whatever you do, don't leave this place without